Did you know that there are over 65 million Gen Xers, yet so few financial advisors focus on Gen X? Why? It's because you aren't rich. Yet. Welcome to the Gen X Money Advisor with Michael Labus, certified financial planner, certified college funding specialist, and founder of Gen X Wealth Partners. This podcast focuses on the specific needs of Gen Xers by a Gen Xer. Get ready to explore topics that will help you get your retirement on track, maximize your dollar towards your child's education, and successfully manage aging parents. We will even sprinkle in a little health and wellness, travel and leisure, and time and stress management. Come and experience the expertise of Michael and his special guests who focus on enhancing the quality of your life today and in the future. Now, on to the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Gen X Money Advisor. And today, we are very lucky to have with us Patty Kramer, who is a certified professional organizer and a productivity coach. And I invited her on today to help us talk about time management. I think that this is a huge problem for Gen X. Patty, welcome to the show. And I'm really anxious for you to give us your insights and get us on the path to better time management. I'm so happy to be here, Michael. Thanks for the invitation. And uh, hopefully we'll get some good tips across. Yes, yes. Gen X, I know you, we, we struggle with this. Yes. And uh, actually, this is one of the main reasons why I started my company and made it virtual because we don't have any time. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I joke, and I think I said this before, but uh, Gen X, we have still have time to do the planning, but we don't have any actual time to do the planning. Patty, Gen X, we tend to neglect ourselves. We put so many things uh, before our own needs. Mm-hmm. So how can we work on this and how do we actually say no to things? Oh, that's a real big jumping on point. Okay. <laughs> well, I know, yeah. One of the things that, that's interesting with Gen X, and I, I'm one of the Gen Xers, so I, I get it, is we were you know, brought up very independent because we were the first latchkey kids. So we, we were always on our own. And one of the things about saying no is that we think we can do it all because we've always done it all. And so how to say no is easy. You just say no, but when and you know kindly doing it or just feeling good about it is really difficult and so every time you one of the one example of a way to look at being able to say no to things is if you every time you say yes to something you're saying no to something else and so if you have 24 hours in a day and you're always saying i can do this i can do that what you're doing is saying i'm not going to have dinner with my family or I'm going to go to bed late, I'm going to work and and lose sleep, or I'm going to skip a meal, or I'm going to eat fast food. So every time you say yes, you say no to something that's important. And and so that is a really big visual to keep in your mind so that you can do things that that you need to get done, but also put it through a filter of what should I really be doing this or should someone else be doing it? And how can I say no? I, I have a tough time saying no. You are not alone. <laughs> Most people <laughs> I work with have a really big uh, hard time with that because as a Gen Xer, we can do it all. We've proven it and to ourselves and through our lifetime. We've just 
nobody's ever offered. I shouldn't say nobody's ever offered, but we're just used to saying, I got this, I got this, I got it. And we do it. And so sometimes if you put a filter in place, when someone asks you to do something, maybe you pause and you say, let me get back to you in 24 hours to see if I have room for that. And then if you, or, or let me help you find somebody else who can do it. Or you might say something like, I really don't have time for that. And if I can't do it 100%, I'm not going to do it at all. So I'm going to have to decline. The good thing about saying no is when you say it, you're probably not the first one to tell them no. You're just getting a phone call because someone else was capable of saying no. <laughs> so you don't have to be the one to say yes. You can be a no in the line and then they can go to the next person and they can say yes. So it's not, it's, it doesn't reflect badly on you if you take control of your time and say no. I, yeah, I do feel sometimes that when I do say no, I'm letting somebody down, mm-hmm. that I don't care about them. Uh, this this is uh, evident professionally and personally. I want to do anything I can for my clients, and I want to do anything I can for my friends, mm-hmm. but there's only so many hours in a day, and by saying yes, yes, I'm making that person happy or that client happy, but I'm neglecting myself, mm-hmm. and right. I, I think there's some common pitfalls that we fall into. So maybe we could talk about some of them and how we can eliminate or, or reduce them. Absolutely. Sure. So the big one that I struggle with mm-hmm. is multitasking. <laughs> okay. <laughs> multitasking. You know that that's not a good thing, right, Michael? <laughs> that's what my girlfriend tells me. I'm pretty yeah. good at it, but maybe that's a bad thing. Well, if you're good at it, it, it's it's a proven fact that not nobody can really multitask. You can do something that's subliminal or something that's not really like watch TV and and read, you know, do something else while you're watching TV, but you're just listening. But if you're actually doing some physical work, it's hard to keep your mind straightened in two places. So I think that, you know, as you're, they call that switch tasking because your brain can only have one thing going on at a time. So if you're doing one thing, even if you're looking at some, like doing them the same similar time, you're still turning off and turning on and turning off and turning on. And it's the, it's hard on your brain. It's exhausting, which is why at the end of the day, you feel like you've done a lot of work more than you would have had you just focused on one thing at a time. So multitasking, I think that it, if, if anybody listening does do a lot of multitasking, I would challenge you to stop and just do one thing at a time, like hyper-focus on one thing, get it to completion, then go to another thing, get it to completion, and you'll see how much less exhausted you are and probably going to be much more accurate on your work if it requires accuracy. And I think that that's, plus it also, if you have people around you, it shows them that you're present and you're not, if you're talking to somebody and you're doing other work, it's very obvious on the other end of the line <laughs> that you are doing something else and it makes people feel less than attended to. So if you start to focus on people and your task, I think you'll, you'll see a difference in your own being as well as those around you. That's a really good point. I put myself under the bus sometimes because I want to feel like it's okay to have weaknesses. Uh, but mm-hmm. we, it's an opportunity to grow from those. And one of my other weaknesses is that I have good intentions with getting things done in a particular order, but I seem to get distracted and sometimes I fall off. And I, I think I need to improve upon my to-do lists. How, mm-hmm. how can I do that, Patty? Because I think I make this whole multitasking easier to eliminate. 
Oh, well, it, it, this is a really good way to do it. One of the biggest thing that includes the to-do list is just planning in general. And so they kind of go hand in hand. And if you don't plan, then you kind of just run like a free-for-all. And if you do have a to-do list, there's a couple ways it can it can be housed. One of them, and it's probably not the best, is when it's in your head. And that's what I call the swirls because you just have this swirling around of things you have to do and then you forget about them. Then they two in the morning, you wake up, and you're like, oh my gosh, I have to do that. And you're it's just continually swirling. And again, just like multitasking, it's exhausting. So what I always, first thing I would ask you to do is to capture your to-do list on paper or in a calendar or on a, on a dirt document in online. I don't care where you capture it, but have it in the same place all the time, not in 15 places, not in two notebooks and in your calendar and, uh, you know, in your hand or <laughs> wherever you keep your to-dos, keep them in one place so that you have what we call the master to-do list. You can see what you need to get done. And then you can start to pick and choose what needs to be done, but not just what needs to be done, but when it needs to be done. So that's whenever planning comes into to, to the picture. Because if you just have that list on paper, that's half the battle, but it becomes an avoidance list also. You'll go down the list and you're like, ooh, I don't want to do that. Ooh, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I don't, oh, I hate doing that. But you'll And you'll find the things that are easy but are not important that you'll do and you'll check them off. Or you'll do something that's not on the list and you'll write it on the list so you can check it off. So That sounds like me with doing the garbage <laughs> or... You know, certain tasks I have to do for work, things I don't want to do, I put off. And then sometimes mm-hmm. you forget them and things slip through the cracks. Mm-hmm. So what you're telling me or telling everybody is to do the things that you don't want to do first? Well, not necessarily. It's just making a decision of when okay. you're going to do it. it does, you know, Some people like to eat the frog first thing in the morning and do the hardest thing on the list. Other people like to just pick easy things, but they have to be relevant to what you need to get done, not just feel-good tasks. Email is like a feel-good task. People jump to email because it's easy or it's, it keeps them from doing the things that need to be done. But if you Busy have this work. list, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but if you have this list of tasks to do, you basically need to choose each one of them and say, when do I need to do this? Because it doesn't have to be done all today. That's the beauty of a calendar. There's the next day, the day after, and next week and next month. So if you see something on your list that you know has a deadline that it's not for a week, Put it out on the day that you need to get it done. Don't push it off to just push it off for procrastination's sake, but just make a decision as to when you want to do it. Because clutter, which is a, some people look at their to-do list and it feels like a bunch of clutter and clutter is nothing more than unmade decisions. So making a decision on when to do something and, and then actually going into your calendar and putting it on the day in the time slot so that when that pops up, you've made the decision, that's when you're going to do it. And then you do it. And you stay focused on that and don't allow distractions to keep moving you away from it. And that, that's kind of like what multitasking is. You get pulled away from something because you don't have a plan to go back to, but the plan keeps you on track. It's so easy to, to fall into these traps with today, our cell phones, we get calls, social media, mm-hmm. people need our help. I think that personally, I'm probably not uh, alone in this, is that we're so independent and it's hard for us to give away or give up control over something, which leads me to another pitfall that I, I think we, we have is, which we don't or are afraid to delegate responsibility because 
maybe we don't have confidence that things will be get done the right way. So we say to ourselves, I'm just going to do this because I know it'll get done the right way. Puts, you know, puts more pressure on, on our schedule or our time and we lose it. So how can we delegate better? Is there a secret to that? Absolutely. There's always secrets. <laughs> <laughs> the fact is you are not the only one that can do it. We, we believe that we are. Gen Xers love to think that we do it the best and we do it, you know, the only way that can be done. And, um, but that, and that confidence in ourselves is great, except what we need to do is develop some patience and find the right person who can do it and then allow that person to take control of it. And control is a pretty big word. I'm not necessarily saying leave control, lose control of everything, but you do need to let go of the administrative stuff if it's not your thing to do. Anything that's time consuming and it's not really for you to be doing, you need to just let it go, let somebody do it and allow them to make mistakes so that you can help them to learn. That's what, that's what mentoring is. That's what training somebody is. Not encouraging them to make mistakes, but knowing that they will. And when they do, you don't get angry. You just help them correct it so that the next time they can certainly turn around and, and do it right the next time. And it's kind of like an investment. You know, you put $10 in the stock market, you get 100 in a couple of years. You put an hour or two into somebody into training them, and you never have to do that task again. So you get hundreds of hours back. That's a great point right there. I think having confidence in the process, yeah, there might be some mistakes, but at the end of the day, everybody's going to be happier. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. And, and, you know, it's not about losing control of the, if you're going to want to take control of something, take control of your time, because if you don't take control of your time, somebody else will. So give away the control of the task so that you can control your time. Amen to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we've, we've talked a lot in the past, Patty, you and I about uh, time management. And for those who have not been privy to the discussions, Patty, when we started working, I was uh, together, I was a complete mess. This is probably, I don't know, four or five years ago. And one of the first things that you asked me was to talk about my values and my needs. So could you, for everybody's sake, discuss what that means and how that relates to our time management? Absolutely, yes. Um, values and needs are the things that we live by. And we run so quickly, Gen Xers especially, we run so fast all day, every day. We don't even, we, we kind of feel out of control. We're in control, but we're out of control at the same time. And one of the things that is so important is to know what you need in your life and the, the things that help you, if, unless your needs are handled, life just doesn't work. So you have to know what you need and what you value. And values are what you stand for or who you are. And so like a need might be family or, fr- um, I'm sorry, adventure or achievement or nature or service or self-worth. These are the things that some people need. And there's you know lists of those words. And then with values, what do you value? And what do you stand for? And it might be fairness or forgiveness or honesty or autonomy. There's accountability. There's, a, again, a, a slew of words that you value. And when you narrow down the top three of your needs that you really need to make your life work and the th- top three things that you value that you stand for, then you can start to be sure to include those values and needs in your daily life. For example, somebody values or needs family, but they never see their family, then obviously they need to build into their life some family time if they're off balance. 
if someone uh, is looking for um, happiness as a need and they're always miserable, let's fix that. What makes you happy? Or if you value loyalty, but you're working somewhere and they're not being loyal to you, you need to sort of reassess. Is that where you really, are you feeling valued? Are you, you know, how does that affect you? And maybe make some changes. So knowing those couple things first so that you can build out your ideal week to include those is a really big step. I have to say, Patty, once I went through that process myself and understood my own value and my needs, mm-hmm. I recognized that the way I was doing things was basically out of whack. <laughs> mm-hmm. And once you recognize those and focus on satisfying those, life is so much better, mm-hmm. so much better. And you just mentioned something, the ideal week. And this is something that I actually am good at. So oh, I right. want to give myself a pat on the back, um, <laughs> but not without Patty's help. So the ideal week, this is, it sounds somewhat um, obvious, but the ideal week is how do you want your week to play out? So mm-hmm. Patty, can you speak on that? Sure. Everybody has a, a job description. If we're talking about the workday, um, you have a job description. If you work from home or if you are someone who has a family and that's your work, that's a lot of work. Understanding what you do every day as a task that makes up your job description. If you write those things down and then you start to, you can create buckets and put them into a, a grid. Just If you just draw seven lines down a paper and put Sunday through Saturday and make it like a, a calendar you're looking at with time slots every half hour, you can actually put in like time blocks of what you do. So if you do administrative work on Mondays, you might block off Monday morning with administrative work. Um, Just gathering the tasks of what you do and putting them and planning those for an ideal week for you so that whenever you go to your, to work every day or do whatever you do every day, you can look at this and say, this is my day for this. I do my, I do writing on Tuesdays. I do my marketing on Wednesdays. I have client meetings on Tuesday, Thursday afternoons. You decide what you want it to look like and make sure that those values and needs are included in the tasks that you do, whether it's during the workday or after work or on, and on the weekends. But creating that week that makes your life yours and makes you happy, that is um, all up to you. And if you have complete control of your time, this ideal week can be amazing, an amazing tool. And if you don't have control, but still seeing it, what you have to get done. And then outside of that, you can create what you think is ideal. It's a life changer. It is a life changer. Mm -hmm. Prior to uh, working with you, my calendar ruled me. I was a, I was a slave to my calendar Mm -hmm. and now I own my calendar and I'm so much more productive, so much happier because I have this ideal week built out. So mm-hmm. I encourage anybody to do this. Mm-hmm. What, one of the things with, um, that I want to throw in here real quick, just to give another little nudge, is that with planning in your ideal week, but just day-to-day planning, I always encourage people to spend at least about 10 minutes a day planning for the next day or for that day. So if, you're in, you, know, if you want to plan at the end of the day for tomorrow, that's great. Or if you like to walk in the office and plan for that day, I don't care when it is, take 10 minutes to do that. Because for every minute that you spend planning, you can save up to 12. So for 10 minutes of planning, you can save up to two hours or 120 minutes because you you now know what you need to get done. 
And if something interrupts you or distracts you, you can say, I'm sorry, I can't do that now. I've planned to do this. I can do that for you next week. And it gives you that ability to say, I can't do that right now, but I can do it at this time. And so you have a plan in place to give you that luxury. So that's, that's just a, a nice little uh, tool that I, I always encourage people to do. I like a good bang for your buck in mm-hmm. terms of a time investment. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole goal is to have more time for us to do things that we want to do here. Mm-hmm. And I, I see it so often. I talk to my friends about their calendars or can you do this or that at this day? And they say, I don't know. And mm-hmm. I, I guess I'm not saying to my friends, you have to listen to Patty. She knows what she's talking about. <laughs> if you get a visual, uh, it just makes it so much easier for you to say what you want and, and have already made the decisions. Then others can sort of, people respect you when you're in control of your time. As if you, if anybody listening, if you think of people who are always in control of their time, you love that because it's like, it's very impressive. And you too can be that person. Without a doubt. If, if I can do it, anybody can do it. So, you know, the whole goal here, like I said, was to save us time and make it more efficient so we can do things that we want to do. So how does this, uh, you know, to kind of come full circle, how does this lead to some self-care and uh, will this help us reduce our stress? Oh, yes. Uh, the Absolutely. It's a no-brainer that your stress level will go down once you know what you need to do every day. There's nothing worse than going home at the end of the day and having checked nothing off of your list <laughs> or feeling like I did, I ran all day, I'm exhausted, and I have still have a thousand things to have to get done, but I did everything for everybody else. So, not putting yourself, or I'm not telling you to be selfish, but I'm telling you to be focused on what you need to get done and being able to distinguish what is necessary and what is you giving away your time. And you, if you'll be able to balance your life so much better. And when you reduce your stress, you have time for self-care. If you like to exercise, people put that on their ideal week all the time. And they're like, I want to, but I don't ever have time. Well, here's the thing. It's a big rock. If you've ever heard the big rock story where you, there's, you have to make room for those big rocks first. Otherwise, you never get them into your calendar. So if you want to exercise, if you want to get a massage every week, if you want to spend time with your family or have four dinners a night per week with your family, these are the things you have to plan around vacations, plan around them, schedule them out for the next year, plan around them. Don't let anybody, anything take over that. And that's how you find balance, taking control of your time and looking ahead and being proactive versus reactive. So clutch, proactive versus reactive. I think that uh, correlates with owning your calendar or does your calendar own you? Mm Mm-hmm. Sure does. Yeah. This is, you know, this is back to the basics, Michael. This is stuff we grew up with when you went to kindergarten through college or wherever you went to school till you always had a schedule and you knew exactly where to be every hour of the day. And then whenever you graduate, you get a job that nobody tells you that anymore, but you still have the basics. You can do it yourself. Tell yourself where you want to be, where you need to be, and then schedule it out and be there and be present. So if I was going to try to summarize what we've talked about here today, Patty, I think, and you can jump in whenever you want, mm-hmm. uh, the power of no actually opens up your schedule. You're not going to overcommit to things. I used to be a person who was yes to everything, right? Mm-hmm. I wanted, here's an opportunity to learn something. If I walk away with one nugget of information, it was time well spent. Maybe, maybe not. 
yeah. be, be selective in our in the use of our time. You don't want to discriminate against opportunities. You don't want to let anybody down. But at the same time, you have to be fair to yourself. Mm-hmm. Stop multitasking. One of my biggest things is plan. You hit it on the head there, Patty. It's planning. Planning is such an important part with investments, with your finances, but more importantly, with your time. Time is the most valuable commodity. Why waste it? Mm-hmm. You know, you can always make more money, but you can never, ever make more time. So you have to just be very selfish with it whenever, while you can. Totally agree. You're mm-hmm. in, you know, looking at your values and your needs, aligning your calendar and satisfying those. That's looking inward, but that's so deep and so powerful once you're able to implement that. And I, I'm very fortunate to have been able to do so. And I can tell you, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I think also we want to reduce our stress. I mean, we're so stressed out, so stressed out. <laughs> take, take care of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yes, we don't want to meet our demise sooner than we have to, for sure. No, no. So as I said to you, Patty has been very instrumental in helping me do just what we talked about today, which is managing our time, recognizing how we can improve upon it and making ourselves happier and have less stress. So Patty, can you, can you tell the audience how to get a hold of you and if they want to contact you for your services? Oh, sure. Our website is probably the easiest way to go take a look. It's uh, www.productivityuncorked.com. Um, you can also shoot me an email at patty, P-A-T-T-Y, at productivityuncorked.com. Happy to um, offer you any tips that I can. If you had anything you needed to chat through, we can do that. In the meantime, I think that our website has a lot of really good information, and um, I think you can find all the, some of the answers there. So thanks. Of course, Patty, yes. Please reach out to her. She's helped me a lot, and I'm sure she can help you. You can find us at genxwealthpartners.com, and you can also find the GenX Money Advisor on YouTube and your other uh, podcast providers. And thank you for listening to our show today. And we'll be back next time with another exciting guest. So thank you, Patty, for being on today. My pleasure. Thank you so much, Michael, for having me. I appreciate it. You're welcome. And we will talk again soon. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Gen X Money Advisor podcast. Click the follow button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the hosts and or guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Gen X Wealth Partners. This content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional financial advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your individual situation. Securities offered through Kestra Investment Services, LLC, Kestra IS, member FNRA SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Kestra Advisory Services, LLC, Kestra AS, an affiliate of Kestra IS. Gen X Wealth Partners is not affiliated with Kestra IS or Kestra AS.